0: Not a journalist. Is an absolute idiot. But that's okay. Not a time back. I'd like to retire someday. I'm getting tired. Oh! Oh! Send it in, Jerome.
1: Welcome back, Big Easters and Big East. That's to the Six Overtimes podcast on this pre-Thanksgiving weekend. It's November eighteenth where we talk nothing of realignment, but everything about Big East Hoops. I'm Chaz Wagner. Joining me in Doylestown, PA, 27 miles north of Philadelphia, is Scott Wildermuth. What's up, man?
0: Not too much, man. Uh, You know, it was a good slate of games last night,
1: and I'm excited to dive right in and chat about them. The last few nights, even going back to Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah. So, we want to kick it off with some feature games. And before we do, we just want uh for you to reach us with some questions, comments about the games, about upcoming the schedule, what what you think of the holiday tournaments, anything like that. Email us at sixovertimes at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at six overtimes. We like to use that during games and the morning after to see what you're thinking. And Scott, today we want to f- focus on three games over these last last few nights. Number one, the Wednesday night game that everyone is talking about that we really want to talk about is Pitt-Long Beach State. We also had a nice—the uh, second game, a nice win by Seton Hall over VCU and the, the Shaka Smarters last night down in down in Charleston. And then the late game last night that we're still a little sleepy from is— St. John's loses a tough one to Arizona.
0: Yeah, and those are the three best games from the last two nights. Uh, The best opponents that Big Easters played and, you know, to be honest, the most exciting games. And and Pittsburgh suffered a tough loss, uh, only the second loss in the non-conference that they've had since they opened the PEC Center, um, as they lose 86-76 to the Long Beach State
1: 49ers. Look at you using the acronyms. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been brushing up since uh, we started recording. Well, Scott, it's it's nice to finally get into the biggest teams playing teams that are exciting to watch, and I wouldn't say they're household names, but at, at least you know the, you could see these guys, these teams playing in uh, in March.
0: Yeah, and it it continues a trend because we saw Kent State and Miami on Tuesday Mm -hmm. night, and then we see these guys on Wednesday um, take down a real good Pittsburgh team, and I think Long Beach State has a chance to be in there at the end, and they looked fantastic. Um, They looked very polished, and they ran sets on offense, and they looked athletic. They were very impressive to me. What did you
1: think? They were very impressive, and... You can't say that that, um, Pitt was unlucky or unfortunate. Long Beach State, these 49ers dominated on both sides of the ball. Yeah, they beat them. They beat them. They beat them handedly, and it was probably one of the worst defensive performances under the Jamie Dixon era at Pitt. He's always predicated on hard, tough-nosed defense, embodying the Steel City motto and and grit that, that our great city of Pittsburgh is known for, but... They got um, the 49ers and their boy Casper Ware, who has a great, I wouldn't call it a pencil mustache, but that thing, I mean, it really extends, you know, it, it goes beyond beyond the lips. I mean, that thing is, is stretching out to his his dimples and his cheeks. Do you see that, Scott?
0: Uh, I did, and I was equally impressed, but... I'm more impressed with the beyond the lips statement. I, I think I might start using that instead of beyond the pale. <laughs>
1: <laughs> beyond the lips. It's it's pretty good. Um, but he had a career high, 28 points, and was it 10 assists? or He, he got into double digits close, yeah. for one of the other stats. But he looked quicker than, especially in transition, the fast break, he was blown by Gibbs. By woodall Woodall fouled out um, in the second half because he he was hacking Casper because he literally just could not keep up with the guy
0: yeah, and he was a matchup problem all game as you know with Long Beach State being able to spread the floor on throughout the entire game, it, they put pressure on the defense and it it turned into a lot of free throws and it turned into a lot of fouls by uh, the pit starters. Um, Something we should talk about is Ashton Gibbs not getting to the line at all. Uh, He went 8 of 21 from the field for 20 points. It's not going to be easy to win games when he doesn't get to the line and Woodall fouls out in the middle of the second half.
1: Yeah, and that's unfortunate for Gibbs because all we were talking about in the preseason and a lot of the previews that we were talking about, we wanted to see him take his man off the dribble and get to the lane, look for that mid-range jumper or, or draw some contact. In the lane, and by shooting no free throws, that's a, a, a telling statistic that he is settling for that outside shot. And he was only eight for twenty-one from the field and three for nine from three.
0: Yeah, but you gotta love
1: uh, the effort put out by Nazir Robinson. I mean, nineteen points. He was eight of twelve from the
0: field. That's a great game for a guy uh, who really. Isn't expected to put up that m- many points in the bucket.
1: Yeah, you're totally right, and it's nice to see. One of the positives that you can take from this game is Nasir Robinson. It, it is now, it now shows that he has recovered from that minor knee surgery that he had in the off season. and we didn't even know if he was going to be back by this time. And by putting up 19 points, he is he is fully recovered from that. But the other guys in the post, there are none. Uh, where where is Dante Taylor? two points, uh, got in some early foul trouble. Kem Birch, we're not counting on him to be the low post presence. He's not doing much. Tlaib Zana looks lost down in the interior, and Long Beach State took took advantage of that.
0: Yeah, and I think that's going to be a struggle for Pittsburgh all season unless they get one of these guys to step up. And it's Dante Taylor and J.J. Moore that – it's mostly going to rely upon those two and and they got to figure out how to rebound and maybe not be a true center but they got to have some sort of presence that throws off the defense or the offense on the other side of the ball um just a little bit they need to contribute in some manner
1: yeah he's playing out of position he's not a, he's not a true 5 man he's, he doesn't he's not his high school coach even came out and said that he's not a center which i think we all we all realize that but even playing at the four, he he's being he's being outplayed and outmanned uh, down there as well. He's improved his offensive game, but his position and rebounding um, there's still a lot to, a long way to go for him there.
0: Yep. Um, so that, it was a disappointing loss for Pittsburgh, but it's against a good quality opponent, and hopefully, uh, looking back on it, when the selection committee is determining if Pitt can get in, it's not looked at as a bad loss. Uh, I, I tend to think that
1: it won't be. Well, I think Pitt, Pitt's going to get in. Uh, Jamie Dixon teams always have a bad loss to start the year. They got manhandled by Tennessee last year, and you're like, do we hit the panic button? What's going on? They regrouped. They retooled. They, they figured things out. And two years before that, and that team was a lot, more like this this year's team where they lost a lot from the year prior. They lost to Indiana in a, it was a really bad Tom Crean team. They lost in the garden. That team only won 10 or 11 that year and they got they recovered from it okay. So th- this team will be okay. They're going to get in the tournament, but I you know, Long Beach State, I really hope these I want to see Castor Ware playing in March and if they can pick up another victory. Look at this schedule that they got Scott in the non-conference. They go They play Louisville, they play at Kansas, they play at UNC, at Xavier and San Diego State. That is the hardest non-conference schedule of anyone, even the big six conference teams.
0: Yeah, it's not going to be easy. Um, All those guys are pretty good. San Diego State won't be as good as they were last year without uh Kyle Lee Leonard. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his first name correctly.
1: Um, Everybody knows who you're talking about.
0: But, you know, Louisville and Kansas and Carolina and Xavier are all knowns, and they're a really good team. So hopefully uh, Long Beach State can steal another win or two in, in that group. Uh, hopefully not against Louisville, though. And... Uh, and really make a strong case to be a high seed in the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, so mo- moving on, uh, you you really liked the—you didn't get to see their f- seat in Hall's first game, um, but they beat VCU, as we said. They beat uh, VCU last night 69-54, to and, and tell us about that game, Scott.
0: Yeah, we go from talking about um, teams that are vying for an NCAA tournament bid for this season to a Final Four squad that— um, you know only lost their senior point guard uh and and their senior forward Sean Rodriguez and Jamie Skeen uh from VCU. I just want to touch on this one thing because the ESPN U if you guys haven't seen it they have all these mascots around the actual U when they go to commercial break mm-hmm. and first off it's awesome and it's a very cool creative thing just to check out but the VCU mascot was so sick um you know, trying to build a ram around a U. It was just very cool. Um the game itself was very interesting to me. Uh, Seton Hall took advantage of um mismatches that they had down low and with their big men from start to finish. And the game wasn't really it it was a fifteen point win and it was closer than that most of the game, but the, the how the game was going, and, and the momentum was always in Seton Hall's favor.
1: Yeah, and Fuquan Edwin, we we were speaking of him and, and texting throughout the game. That guy is he is a good player. He's he gets on the very yeah, active. He's active. He he, he can he, he 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 can get on the glass. He can bang down low, but the guy can get out in a transition and he can hit he can hit outside shots too. So he can play on the perimeter, but he can also show some show a nice presence in, in the interior.
0: Yeah. He had nine rebounds and they were mostly strong rebounds. Um, as opposed to what Herb Pope does and Pope, (laughs) Oh, you know, I was trying to figure out how he gets so many rebounds. And I think it's just because he's a very good weak side rebounder. But I think if Edwin can turn into this strong side where it's, where he's bodying up against people because he's a little bit more athletic than those guys down low. Um, they could they could really benefit from him being the yin
1: to her pope's yang. So Pope is the yang. <laughs> I think so. Think so. Uh, how about we? Were, how about Patrick Uda, if I'm pronouncing it correctly? Yeah. He threw a nice. You always see the big men when they're when they're trying to get some separation from from the defender and moving their arms around. And I guess he threw he crossed the line and it wasn't a basketball move it, it it turned into a quite a dirty move and and the refs looked at the replay and ultimately as i think they've changed the rules this year he actually got ejected at the end of the first half for for that elbow
0: yeah he picked up a flagrant two by cold cocking bradford burgess right in the face um that was tough because Auda was playing pretty well at that point he had seven points, and he's not a premier scorer. Um, and when you can get that kind of uh, added point scoring from a guy that you're not expecting, uh, it from it's always a boost, especially when your team only puts in 25 points at that point. Um, it was tough, but you know they continue to uh, maximize their mismatch throughout the game, and. I, Seton Hall looked good in, at times, and they looked bad at times. Uh, Herb Pope had four threes that were just ill-advised, would be kind. He missed
1: all four of them. Yeah, you know that even though they won, there's a lot of weaknesses and in, in rooms for improvement for this team, especially as you're talking of. Herb Pope should not be chucking up all these, these three-pointers at the yeah. top of the key. and the
0: other thing that really bothered me was they got into the bonus with nine and a half minutes left uh, in the first half. They didn't go to the basket at all. They didn't take advantage of it until Theodore started realizing it with like a minute and a half left in the half, and he went went to the basket and picked up four free throws. But when you're in the bonus with that much time left, you should not be settling for outside jumpers, and that's what this team was doing, and... That really irked me. It irked you?
1: Yeah, it really did. Sound, your your voice has... your The tone of your voice is a little angry this morning. I, now we I know why.
0: <laughs> um, but, you know, they had a good game. Herb Pope had a double-double by the 18-minute mark in the second half. That shouldn't be overlooked. Fuquan Edwin, like we've talked about, played fantastically. Uh, Theodore, he played very well. I thought at times... Um, seton hall looked to get a little out of control and he brought him back he corralled the folks and led them to a victory he's that senior leader that they they're they're craving and um i'm looking for a big season from mr theodore
1: i think herbie is going to be mr automatic double double in all these out of conference games i just think pencil it in when you're when we're talking of betting I, Scott I think you should that's where the money should go
0: Hey I I, t- I took it uh I took Hall last night so
1: That one paid off Yeah absolutely So moving on the la- our last last featured game that we really want to do a deep dive into which Scott loves when we really dissect a game in and out was the Yeah I'm I'm uh, picturing you in scuba gear That's right it's uh I've never gone scuba diving, but i I'd always I've always liked to do it or or want to do it. So St. John's lost a tough one, eighty one to seventy two last night to the Arizona Wildcats. Funny little note about this game: the Red Storm and the Wildcats have never played before. Two pretty storied programs. That the fact that they have never met is I found that I found that pretty fascinating that they've never crossed paths. Yeah,
0: and St. John should think twice before scheduling them again. To be
1: honest with you, <laughs> I think. Hey, I think it's going to be a positive. It's it's going to be a a, a gain for uh, this young ball club. The experience that they got from this, the garden was rocking last night for both fan bases. Not only you know the Johnny's fans, the the red sweaters, are going to be going, but there were some U of A chants that I did not think that Arizona had a any sort of new york city alumni base but
0: yeah i was blown was... away
1: by that too and yeah i
0: couldn't believe it dickie v was going nuts baby yeah, he was,
1: he'll he'll go nuts over any little thing
0: yeah but like you said arizona won by nine points and to me the uh the reason why they won is not because three points yeah it definitely was and you know they sort of played as a team they passed the ball around and they sort of lulled you to sleep. I don't know if, if you felt that way, but I felt like I wasn't looking at the score, and I would I was always anticipating St. John's to be winning because they looked like they were working the hardest to get to the bucket. Then I looked down at the score, and it, it seemed like Arizona was just getting easy shots, and, and it was just very easy for them.
1: Yeah, and we saw St. John's lack of depth came back to hurt them when— Nerdine Lindsay fouled out with 4 or 5 minutes left in the game. Without him, they didn't have they have scorers, but they didn't have that slasher, they didn't have that really explosive guy. And the play of God's gift Achua was really disappointing for me. Apparently before the game they said he missed the bus. Um he didn't start. Phil Green filled in him for him to start the game. Who had a nice game, too. Phil Green, he hit some outside shots. It was nice to see him him step up one of the other heralded freshmen for the Johnnies. But God's gift, I think he only ended up with four points and a couple boards. And for this team to do anything to beat these good ball clubs, God's gift has got to play better because what we were worried about before this game was, was how Arizona has really good um, big men down low, especially rebounding. And some of the other guys for the Johnnies did step up on the glass, but God's gift has got to play better for for the Johnnies to have a good year.
0: Yeah, and Sean Miller said after the game, uh, the head coach of the University of Arizona, he said that the matchup problems with St. John's uh, doesn't allow you to really play your big men unless they're very good uh, low-post scorers. So- a lot of the game they weren't playing their big rebounders um and it was really an up and down game and Arizona was playing a lot of guards and that's why they were able to spread the floor and get a lot of three point shots that were uncontested or or really open looks um, and like you said that was the key to the win uh, key to the game and they won because they put so many of those uh, three-pointers in the basket.
1: Yeah, they hit a total of 14 threes, which was just silly. Nick Johnson and Josiah Turner and some other guys were, were knocking those down. But it was nice to see St. John's actually get off to a fast start and hold their own early in the game. Against William and & Mary and Lehigh, they have a uh, really sluggish, slow start. So was, that was one of the positives that I took from this game. Um, they did, they held their own in rebounding, even with God's gift, not, not having one of his better games. Nice to see Phil Green, the freshman come out with a good one and they did shoot well from the field. They were, they shot over 50%. So they were efficient, um, shooting some of the negatives that I took 17 turnovers. That's too much to a good ball club and nerdy Lindsay had seven turnovers. And then you throw in those fouls and fouls are almost a a turnover and you're, you're giving free. Free points and free possessions too, especially on the offense. He had two offensive fouls in the second half. So that's I mean, that's almost nine or ten turnovers just for Lindsay Lindsay on his own. So tough loss for the Johnnies. They do play Texas A and M this afternoon at four thirty, and then Arizona plays in that championship game of the coaches versus Cancer class against Mississippi State and D boss in the championship.
0: Yeah, and some of the positives just to uh reinforce that was Mo Mo Harkless played really well. And they're gonna have to learn how to get him the ball a little bit more going forward because he's an explosive player. He can get points in bunches and uh he was fun to watch. Him, Nordine Lindsey and D'Angelo Harrison are gonna be their big three this season and you know, I'm excited to see what that the future's gonna bring with those three guys because they all looked pretty good in stretches. I mean, Lindsey had seven turnovers, which was bad, and you never want to see that. But otherwise, he was the guy that was dominating the game for either team. He was the guy. And Harkless just looked like an NBA player. And Harrison had a huge first half, scoring 14 points. So the future is bright mm-hmm. in MSG and, and for the Johnnies. So.
1: Yeah, it just comes down to consistency, I think, a young team's gonna have lapses like they did. So, moving on to beyond the featured games, these were just uh, other Big East teams that were in play. Connecticut beat the Maine Black Bears last night, eighty to sixty. They struggled in the first half. Scott um, Maine's best player, Gerald Mclemore, did not play, and uh, so he was out. But I don't know if you got a chance to look at Maine's uh, the roster uh, composition. But look, how about that? Uh, this is like the who's who of international players up, up in uh up in Maine.
0: Yeah, and we talked about this um before and like if you can recruit well domestically, you got to figure out how to get the best players into your program and Maine is actually making that them. making that transition to looking uh, abroad and they got guys coming from Canada, which isn't a stretch at all, but uh, Bulgaria, Scotland, Israel, and Serbia. Don't forget about uh, Finland. Oh, yeah. yeah. They they
1: have a fin in there.
0: My man, uh, Killian Cato, over here. Um, but, yeah, it's impressive that they, they got that team together. And, and Maine's not a bad squad. Um, I think they won the America East or was in contention with it last season. Um, but that sh- I, I couldn't believe that UConn didn't put them away until... Like fifteen minutes left in the second half. It was it was pretty much a tie game at that point, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, they were UConn was up thirty six thirty one at half and they they pulled away and showed their athleticism. What I took from this game was UConn's um postmen are starting to play really well. They have a three headed monster of Olander, Drummond, and Oriaki. And it was really we've been speaking of Olanders improvement from the summer and I'm we're both very impressed with him but Drummond and Oriaki finally started to show some assertiveness and some authority on the offensive end and there was one instance in the second half where Drummond I hadn't seen him much play coming into UConn but he just kept tipping he's a right-handed and he kept tipping it up with his left hand and back to back to back and he finally tipped in with his left hand so that just that, that just showed me okay this is what everyone has been talking about how good this guy is going to be
0: yeah drummond had his coming out party last night and it was good to see because i mean we were all expecting it to happen at some point but it was really nice to see that it finally did and their what was it their third or fourth game um and I anticipate him, t- I would like to see them run Olander, Oriaki, and Drummond out there to start the yeah. game instead of uh, Roscoe Smith. So Well,
1: Roscoe Smith actually lost his starting position last night. I don't know if this was an anomaly. Calhoun was just trying for one game. But DeAndre Daniels filled in for Roscoe Smith. And I think it's it's purely because DeAndre Daniels provides him so much more offensive versatility rather than roscoe smith was a role player and really a defensive guy last year but i think he he figures deandre dan deandre daniels is good enough on the defensive end that we want to have also a good another good um option on the offensive end so we'll see if deandre daniels um assumes that starting position if roscoe smith gets it back or what you're suggesting which i think is a very valid and and uh probably gonna happen is Andre Drummond's gonna fill in there.
0: Yeah, I just wanna see how those three guys can play together. I mean they've looked awesome so far this season. Um another game that we uh that happened on Wednesday night was the Notre Dame Fight in Irish. Took on Sam Houston State in a laugher. Uh, the Irish won 74-41. It was not that close, which is crazy. Um and Notre Dame only played eight guys. Eric Atkins was out with the flu amongst other folks. Um, And, you know, they just sort of blew Sam Houston State out the door. I, I don't really know if there's much really to talk about from here.
1: Not much to say. A little tidbit. Sam Houston State's mascot is Bearcats with a K. Don't know if I've ever really seen that. I like that a lot. It's basically what I take from this is Notre Dame is sick right now. They have the flu bug. They're looking to get over that. And number two, they're looking to get everyone is waiting for Tim Abermidas's return. That's basically all we want to say with that. The next game from uh this was from Wednesday night. Yeah, the, uh, the uh it was Pitt, Notre Dame and South Florida played on Wednesday night. South Florida beat Florida yep. Southern seventy-three to forty-three. Um Florida Southern is a D two school. There were under two thousand people at this ball game. That's brutal. <laughs> That's like uh, going to a Marlins yeah, game. Yeah, the Marlins don't draw a good crowd unless they get Pujols and and Reyes this year. But you would think that South Florida is a huge school. You always hear how how many how big their student population is. You figure that they can get somehow get above 2,000 people, no matter who they're playing.
0: I'm pretty sure it's a commuter school, though. So that sort of makes it tough. I know it's hard for VCU and George Mason to get fans. Um, You can
1: commute to the game.
0: (laughs) They obviously all have cars, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and this was another game that was over before it started. Gilchrist went nuts. He had 15 and 9 and uh, 6 blocks. And you like to see someone dominate a game like that when he's just so much physically larger than everyone else
1: yes and nice to see he had six blocks but the team had 12 block shots So nice to see them them active and affecting shots on the on the defensive end um balanced scoring it's nice to see everyone getting involved this early in the year uh, it was sloppy at times, made 14 turnovers, and they did not shoot well from the line, 8 of 15.
0: Yeah, I think those are focus things. You know, yep. like it's you see that a games lot with, up with by 30,
1: teams. and
0: yeah. You know, what does this free throw really mean if we're up mm-hmm. by 27 at the time? So.
1: And I think Calhoun, I, I was watching the second half, and I think focus is a big key with him, and he's willing to take guys out right away. He did that with Lamb. He did it with Roscoe Smith. He knows that this time of year, guys are going to have mental lapses and take possessions off. So he he's okay with just yanking guys out right away to discipline them and, and work on their focus and concentration in, against these lesser teams.
0: Yeah, so maybe USF needs to take a uh, Calhounian approach there. See what I did? Um, Another game that happened on Thursday night was the Rutgers-Scarlet Knights taking down Sacred Heart University, 91-75. Rutgers, I'm surprised that it was this close. Um, They really need need to make sure that they come out strong because in this game, the first half was just ugly. They were down by three at halftime. You know, from all all things that I was reading and seeing in the box score was that the freshmen acted like freshmen uh, early in the first half by turning turning the ball over and getting blown off the ball defensively, and um, they did not look very good in that first half. And it was evidenced by a three point deficit.
1: Yeah, I I think these guys are gonna have a long a, a really long year. I have not. You hope to see them improve, but I I think it's gonna be they're gonna be at the very bottom of the Big East if they continue to play like this. I wanna see Dane Miller play better. He's he scored ten points. Let's see that guy early on get up uh close to twenty points in some of these games. Eli Carter looks like he's emerging as the best outside shooter for these for the Scarlet Knights. He hit four threes in this game. Uh nice to see one of the other freshmen, Jerome Seegers, he's been backing up Miles Mack at the point position. He's he's a little guy, but he had fourteen points and really uh, this was this was his best game on the offensive end so so nice to see that.
0: Yeah, and it seemed like Mike Rice sort of lit a fire under these guys at halftime and you know, rightfully so, but they shot eighty one percent from the field in the second half. Ooh. It's it was just incredible. So, you know, with as as bad as things were in the first half, if they can get something closer to eighty one percent from the field for a full game, I think that they will uh they'll be in decent shape and i
1: they're a team build of shooters and just tell tell themselves they're playing the 85 georgetown hoyas every game exactly exactly you got to get them up
0: (laughs) and uh (laughs) you know gilvidas baruta had his worst game of the of the year with only 10 points and three rebounds but you know i think he's he's uh he gets a gimme
1: once in a while right he does he's our boy yeah
0: exactly he's our buddy we root for Gil
1: So our last last game of Thursday night, another blowout, was West Virginia beat Alcorn State. Steve McNair's alma mater. I can't – that's why I said a football player because I couldn't tell you a single basketball player yep. from this school. They won 97-62. Monster game from Kevin Jones. This guy is – he improved just like we thought he would. He had 29 points, 13 boards, and 10 on the offensive end. Um, Nice to see Truck Bryant had... I don't think he had oh. a single turnover. So I think he heard you call him out as the worst player of, of Tuesday, Scott. You know,
0: my voice does stretch from uh, coast to coast, and I wouldn't be surprised if Truck Bryant... Didn't or made sure to protect the ball because I was the one
1: that was telling him not to. Are we now? Are we on AM in Morgantown? <laughs> I hope so. Has someone picked us up yet?
0: <laughs> um, but you know what? Like, we got to talk a little bit about Jabari Hines, who, again, put in double-digit scoring, but he had his worst uh, turnover day of the year so far with with five of them. Um, but, you know, I think the story here is that Truck Brian protected the ball. Kevin Jones went bananas, and bananas. Kevin Noreen had ten points off the bench.
1: Yeah, nice to see him
0: emerge. Yeah, exactly. And you know, with Keen Miles sort of struggling on the in the early going, uh, they're going to need some scoring from somewhere somewhere else. And it looks like Noreen is uh, able to produce that if need be.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know how Keith Miles is going to keep his starting position if he throws up a goose egg in consecutive games. And maybe it's Kevin Noreen that, that fills in for him or they go with a smaller lineup and go with Gary Brown because he, he is more of a score. The one negative from this game is they are still struggling at the line. They only shot 62% and they've got to, they've got to improve on that because they are a physical team and they're going to be shooting a ton of free throws this year with, with Jones getting a lot of ton. Their guards are all very athletic and explosive. Hines can get in the lane. Brown can get in the lane. And obviously truck Bryant can, can draw contact. So they have to shoot better from the line to, to convert on, on all these, these fouls that they're drawing.
0: Yeah. And you know what? It was a good recovery win for these guys after losing, um, to kent state by 10 points at home so it's good to see that they Mm -hmm. blew a team out that they should blow out and uh let's not overlook that
1: i i didn't overlook it (laughs)
0: um so like we usually do here at the six overtimes podcast uh we pick out our best player and our worst player from thursday night and wednesday night's action
1: who's it gonna be scott wait for it uh our
0: our best player Uh, drumroll please was Fuquan Edwin who went for 18 points and was just he was just active and I I think that that's the best way to describe it he had nine rebounds he had three steals he was involved in almost every uh, aspect of Seton Hall's win Um, and I think it was an important win for Seton Hall playing a VCU team that probably who was favored to win A and B You know, a team that's had very good success in in the past, you know, 12 months. So it was good to see Fuquan Edwin uh, do his thing and and lead lead Hall to victory.
1: Fuquan. For his name alone, I like that name. Yeah, I do too. Our worst player of the night at the Six Overtimes podcast for Friday, November 18th, has to be God's Gift, Achua. Number one... He missed the bus. Can't do that. Can't do that. He is seen as the de facto upperclassman and leader of this this ball club with with a ton of freshmen. you got to show up and do what you're supposed to do even before you tip off. And once he got that behind him, he came into the game. He didn't start, as we said. And he only put up four points. He wasn't – he didn't um, counter and – Compliment mo harkless down low as as you've seen in the other games wasn't active on the on the glass to um properly defend hill and some of those other guys for the wildcats and third he you know he got he got the minutes he when nerdy and lindsay was was out without trouble that's the time when you need to see God's gift emerge down low and and we didn't see that so. Because of that, he is our worst player of the night.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't know if he was the reason why they lost, but he was uh, certainly not a reason why they were competing in the game. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, looking forward to the weekend slate of games. I, th- I think we have thirteen between Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, which we will be reviewing on and on probably Sunday night and re- and releasing on Monday morning. Um, but there are two games that we're looking forward to watching, and the first one is Old Dominion against South Florida in the uh, Hall of Fame Tip Off Naismith Tournament. Uh, it's slated for Saturday at 2 o'clock and it's on ESPN3. Uh, it's going to be an interesting game because Old Dominion's been very good for the past two years. They've been in in the tournament for that period of time and they've been at the top of the CAA for those two years as well um you you irish fans out there might remember that they took you guys out in 2010 um yeah we're talking to you (laughs) yeah right um but odu is not uh the team that they were from last Mm -hmm. year because they're down probably their two best players the Their best overall player and preseason CAA player of the year is out with a broken foot. And uh, their defensive player of the year from last year uh, is also out for this game. Um, So, you know, with Old Dominion's uh, prior track record for being a good squad, I I do think that they're going to struggle with the amount of horses that they have to throw at uh, South Florida. The I'm predicting that the line is going to be USF giving two. Uh, I th- I think that they're going to, I, I think USF is going to win in a big way. In a big way? Yeah, I think it's going to be about a wow. 10 or 12 point victory. I, I just, they don't have a lot of height. Um, And the interesting matchup to watch actually is uh, their big man Chris Cooper versus uh, Mr.
1: Gilchrist down there. So not only are you betting on games once the line is out, Scott, but you are... You're predicting the lines. Yeah, that's how I roll. Look at you getting into the other side of the game. <laughs> exactly. I... Yeah, man, I'm 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 pumped to see South Florida actually play someone now because all we look at the box scores, we read the the game summaries, and it sounds like they're playing well, but until they go up uh, a formidable foe, we have no idea. And and I think we're going to see that on Saturday at two o'clock. Totally agree with you. And also on Saturday at two o'clock. We have our other big game of the weekend. Our feature game is Louisville at Butler going into Hinkle Fieldhouse. And this is the highest-ranked opponent that Butler has had. They've played very good teams over the last several years. But this is the highest-ranked opponent, uh, Louisville being ranked number seven, to come in here in almost 20 years since UNC came came in here in the early 90s with Eric Montross and Derek Phelps, if you remember that great team. I love
0: Eric Montrose. Yeah, pretty
1: awesome. And yes, yeah, so this game's at 2 o'clock as well. I think you're going to have to get uh, the dual monitors or split screen to, to have both of these or get the laptop going. And on, uh, or once you get the iPad, Scott, get the iPad going and the TV going as well to watch both games. Yes, sir. So once you have the setup of your games going, then uh, you can watch this game and what we're looking for in this game is obviously a depleted and uh butler team that is not as good as last year everybody said that to start last year and look where they went they went to the finals again this team is without matt howard they lost him to graduation they lost shelvin mack to uh leaving early entry to the draft he's now at the washington wizards was a second round pick of those guys I want to say they lost Van Zant, I think, was another guy, a, yeah. a nice role player yeah. for them as well. But the guys that do return, the main guy was their starting center from last year was Andrew Smith. He was their third-leading scorer from last year. I want to say he was the guy that, in the pit game, that everyone was focusing on Howard and Mack to take that last shot, but they they dropped it down low. Everyone focused on them and they dropped it down low to Smith for for an easy bucket he's playing well this year he's averaging almost 19 points a game 10 boards and two and a half blocks per game so he has really improved in the offseason this team lost to Evansville in overtime in a wild game 80 to 77 Butler thought they had it one Smith got fouled with no time on the clock and he, he All he had to do was hit one free throw to win it, and he couldn't convert a, uh, a single free throw, so they ended up losing a tough game. They beat Chattanooga the other night for their first W. Um, the matchup that, as I spoke of, the matchup that I'm looking forward to in this game is Andrew Smith, the big man down low, going up against George A. Dang, and Chain Benahan is probably going to uh, beyond Andrew a little bit in this game. So it's going to be interesting to see how they match up with them on the offensive end, but also how Andrew Smith plays against those big, stronger big East bodies.
0: Yeah. And I think it will be more of a, uh, sort of trying to see if Butler's slow down tempo and more controlled type of offense can corral and, and, uh, hold back Louisville's sort of run and gun type thing, uh, type of offensive strategy but i think i think this is going to be a blowout too um i like louisville i think butler's lost too much and uh yeah that's where i'm sitting
1: at you're bull. you're bullish on blowouts in the big east this well there's weekend, been huh? a lot of
0: them so far so let's continue the trend right
1: yeah but i think that uh don't don't underestimate butler and brad stevens he he maximizes every little talent if if there's any talent on this on this ball club that they have and i think what might keep them in this game is, is peyton Siva, is doubtful and i don't believe he's going to play with a sprained ankle so that should help butler um a lot and they do return that guy from last year who was a a, a big contributor is ronald norad he is uh he was the defensive player of the year in the horizon league last year so Look for him to, to guard those quick athletic guards for for Louisville. Yep,
0: and uh, moving forward, you know, like we've like we've sort of done in the past. Uh, you know, I'm starting to record my Big East bets, and and so far it's looking pretty good.
1: You've been good. Who you had? You covered your Seton Hall one last night. You you picked zona well. You got, yep. who was the third one last night? I picked, I took Tim Tebow's. I took the Tim Tebow's. The tebow They Did you yeah. see during the game last night where Brad Lesnar, fans sent in photos from all around the world? There were people at the Vatican, there were people Eiffel Tower some you know in the grand canyon all these places and and they were striking a, a t-bow pose and i thought you would have sent in your sent in sent in your picture from from the lower east side
0: yeah i should have um you know I, i'm starting to think that we should get like a fuquan edwin edwin type deal like i don't know what we would have to do but maybe him drilling a three from the wing uh, is
1: that his pose yeah i think that should be his pose what about the pat the patrick uda throwing the bow we could have that pose
0: <laughs> That would be a bad one. Um, but I did lose the pit under uh, from Wednesday night, so I'm not perfect. I'm 3-1. and one. And looking forward to Friday, I'm going to take Winthrop plus 18 at Marquette. I think that line is slightly inflated. It probably should be about 15 um, because Marquette has been shooting the ball out of control this this season already. And uh, I'm taking Nova, given 15 and a half against, at home against Delaware. Um the Blue Hens. I think that line is also uh, a little bit short because of Villanova's tough game with LaSalle. Um, but those are really the only lines that are out right now. Uh, throughout the weekend, I'll be making bets at, at six overtimes on Twitter. And uh, you can follow my probable demise into uh losing tons of money all all year so
1: yeah i don't see that 500 record over 500 records staying hey we'll keep track staying up throughout the year we'll keep
0: track of it at the six overtimes podcast so It'll be good. That's for sure. And that wraps up this episode of the Six Overtimes podcast. For Chaz Wagner, my co-host, I'm Scott Wildermann. Please feel free to email us at sixovertimes at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at Six Overtimes and tell us what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. And,
1: More on and, the wrong side.
0: Yeah, exactly. And if you disagree with what we're talking about, shoot us a note. Uh, let us know. But thanks again, and uh, we'll we'll hit you up on Monday. Peace.
1: One week till Turkey.